going to be teaching about divine healing. And I really have an agenda tonight. And my agenda is to build faith. Because how many of you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? You guys know that scripture? So this is one of the reasons I like using scripture. Because it's like, hey, this is what the Bible says. You don't have to take my word for it. You, got, you, you don't argue with me. You can argue with all these scriptures I'm going to show you, right? And so my, one of my intentions is to build faith, but also to address some of the issues dealing with healing that people have. Okay, so I, I intend to uh, answer three questions uh, tonight, and this is the overview of what we're going to be covering. The first is, is it God's will to heal? That's, that's a million dollar question, and a lot of people struggle with that. Okay, so, so even people who believe healing is for t- today don't always know if it's always God's will. That's maybe another way to ask it. Is it always God's will to heal this specific person? And how many of you know if you waver in that, you're, you're not, it's going to be hard to have faith whenever you're praying because you never know if you're in God's will, if you're doing God's will. So we're going to address that. The second question I want to uh, address and, and answer is, is the ministry of healing for all believers or just for some special anointed believers like Benny Hinn? (laughs) So I'm going to address that. And then last but not least, how do you heal the sick? Okay, so very practical. A lot of this might be overview for some of you, but how many of you know sometimes it's good to have overview of basics just to refresh our memories of the foundations and hopefully, like I said, build faith. Okay, so something to consider. I want to start off by making some points about healing because healing is just everywhere in the Bible. You cannot get around it. Um, And here's just some interesting stats. Okay, I got this from John Wimber, so I'm assuming it's true. Nearly half of the three of three of the Gospels is dedicated to the subject of healing. Isn't that something? Nearly half. That's a lot of material, isn't it? There are over 80 passages where Jesus and the disciples healed people. The Bible's full of healing is the point, right? The problem is, and maybe this isn't a problem in the streams that I'm guessing most of you are probably familiar with healing or you you attend a church that is open to healing at least. But... How many of you know in general, healing, at least up until the last century, was a relatively neglected topic? It wasn't very normative, and even nowadays it's questionable whether you're going to ever hear a sermon on healing in a given church. And because it's been neglected, some people read the Bible as if it's not really there, right? It's like, even though Jesus healed all the time, it's kind of like, oh, that's nice, yeah, another thing about healing. Don't really think much of it. It's like, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the the teachings of Jesus or whatever, right? But you can't ignore the fact that healing is a huge part of the gospel. In fact, it's an integral part of the gospel. You cannot get around. In fact, it is part of the message of the kingdom of God. It's a crucial part of the message of the kingdom. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So as new covenant believers, we need to know and understand that we all have the power to heal. And in fact, we're all commissioned to heal the sick. It's part of our ministry as disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, first major question I want to address, is it God's will to heal? (laughs) Okay, it sounds like I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Is anybody not 100% sure whether it's God's will to heal? Really? So everyone knows it's God's will to heal? Okay. (laughs) Well, even so, I'm going to hit some scriptures that hopefully will not only reinforce that, but if you have any shadow of a doubt that after you leave tonight, you're not going to doubt any longer. Okay, so that's my intention. I'm glad that that you all know this already. But if there's any scripture, if there's any scripture, or no other scripture, I should say, if there's no other scripture other than this one I'm about to share with you, this can answer any time you question, is it God's will to heal? With You can use this scripture to say, yes, it's God's will to heal. And that's the Lord's Prayer. Okay? So, this is the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, 9 to 10. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Look at this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about God's will. Is it God's will to heal? 
So I just want you to think about what this verse is saying. What is God's will? If you think about the logic of it, the God's will is that it be on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's will. That's why we're praying that, that it be on earth as it is in heaven, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about the logic of that. Is there sickness in heaven? No. No. Absolutely not. You can bank on that, right? So, it's guaranteed, based on that, that it's God's will to heal, right? If it's God's will, and we're praying the Lord's Prayer, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and there's no sickness on heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whenever you're praying for someone, that's one thing you can praise, the Lord's Prayer. Lord, your will be done in this person's life, right? There's no sickness in heaven, so I'm just praying that this sickness leave in Jesus' name. The second thing I want to mention is Jesus' is perfect theology. How, how many of you ever heard that phrase? Bill Johnson says that a lot. What I mean by that is if Jesus did it, obviously it's God's will, right? Because Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. So anything Jesus did, we know it's God's will, right? We know that. So just to like, if, if, if you're not sure what I'm, what I'm saying, I want to just drive home the point K. Jesus is perfect theology, and he only did the will of the Father. And we're asking the question, is it God's will to heal, right? So if, if he only did the will of the Father, then we know it's God's will to heal. So just to give you a few verses on this, okay? So this is from Hebrews 1, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir over all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God in the majesty of heaven. So the exact representation of the Father, right? Is it God's will to heal? Well, look to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He healed everybody all the time. And I'm going to show you verses that say that. All right, the second, the second verse I want to uh, mention here, talking about Jesus' perfect theology, understanding whether it's God's will or not. This is from John 14, 8 through 11. It says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, that we, and that'll be enough for us. Look how Jesus answers. This is really interesting. Don't you know me, Philip? He's speaking as if he's the Father himself. He's like, don't you know me? You're asking me to show you the Father. Don't you know me? Isn't that interesting? He says, after all... After I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Right? Talking about, is it God's will to heal? Well, if Jesus did it, we know as the Father's representative on earth that it's obviously his will to heal. Last but not least, just making this point, John 5, 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Okay, so Jesus is perfect theology. We know that, right? He's only doing what the father's doing. What I'm going to show you now is Jesus healed all everybody he healed everybody who came to him okay and i'm going to show you scriptures on this just so you to, to show you that point all right so the first one that i'm going to give you this is a really interesting verse and the reason i really like this verse is because there's this verse really impacted people's lives who had very very well-known healing ministries how many of you have heard of john g lake how many have not heard john g lake okay just to give you a brief for those of you who haven't heard of john g lake John G. Lake was a very uh, well-known healing minister, evangelist, missionary from Canada, actually. He, he was born outside of Stratford, Ontario. What he, about 100 years ago plus, he went to South Africa. He was really impacted by the Azusa Street Revival. Went to South Africa, planted tons of churches, hundreds of thousands of people impacted and saved through his ministry in South Africa. Moved back to the United States in around 1914, and he started what's called the Healing Rooms in Spokane, Washington. Okay, anytime you, you hear the ministry called the Healing Rooms, it's, this is the roots of it. Okay, he started the Healing Rooms. Five years 
100,000 documented healings. Five-year documented healings. Now, these, these are besides the ones that weren't documented. Spokane, Washington was declared the healthiest city in the United States of America at the time because of the healing rooms. Okay, so that just gives you a little glimpse. Now, that doesn't do justice about who this guy is. I highly recommend you look him up. You can buy like thousand-page uh, book of sermons of his and stuff. He's he's a great. He's just a, a champion of the faith, really. The reason I'm mentioning that is because if you know a bit of his story, what happened is he was a, he was part of the Methodist Church originally. This was in the 1800s now, and his whole life he dealt with sickness. Not him personally, but his family. So his sisters, his brothers, there's always death and sickness in his family. Always. He can't, the whole time he was growing up. So at one point in his life, his sister was dying. And this is when he was, I think in his 20s. Don't quote me on that. And so he called his pastor to come pray for her. And she's on her deathbed. And the, the Methodist pastor comes and he says, you know, this is obviously God's will that she's sick. Why pray against God's will? Okay, obviously, right, she's on her deathbed. Why are you even trying? And, and John G. Lake was just so sick and tired of sickness and death in his family his whole life. That night, out of frustration, he threw his Bible against the fire mantle. It fell to the floor, opened up, and his eyes fell on this verse. Okay. Asking the question, is it God's will to heal? Look at what this says, Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good, and look at this, healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Okay? Is it God's will to heal? Think about what this is saying. This is saying all sickness is authored by Satan. Is it not? It's not God's. So he, when he saw, he's like, it's not God's will. Sickness is never God's will. It's the devil. Okay? So if you know the story, uh, I'm paraphrasing because it's been a few years since I, I read it. But anyway, he, he, he uh, what do you call, wired. <laughs> How many of you heard of John Alexander Dowie? Okay, he was a famous healing minister at the time. And he told him the situation and, and uh, Dowie wired him back. He was like, hold on to God or whatever. And John G. Lake declared, my sister's going to be healed this night. Okay. Woke up the next morning. She was completely healed. She was on her deathbed. This made news. The newspapers picked up. This is when John G. Lake's ministry got launched. Okay. After this happened, because he knew from then on, it's always God's will to heal. Always. Never again having to doubt it. So this verse is a powerful one that you can also bank on. And other healing ministers also have very impacted it by it as well. Just a couple of other verses just showing you this. Okay, so Jesus healed all who were ill. Look at this, Matthew 12, 15. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Large crowd followed him and he healed all who were ill. Think about that, a large crowd. The Bible is often understating how large crowds are, but large crowds are large crowds, okay? When it was 5,000 men, some people estimate that that meant there was as much as 60,000 people there. The conservative estimate is 20,000 if you include women and children is what I'm saying, right? So large crowds really meant large crowds, obviously. Jesus healed everyone in the large crowd. That's a lot of healing, right? Matthew 9.35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease. So he healed all, he healed every sickness and disease. He didn't pick and choose. It was everybody, every kind of illness, you name it, he did it. Okay, so Jesus is our example, right? I mean, we're Christians. I'm, I'm assuming we're all Christians. What does that mean? We're followers of Christ. He's the Messiah. We're his disciples. We're supposed to do what he did. So the point I want to make now is, okay, obviously Jesus demonstrated healing, healed all who were sick, healed everybody all the time, according to those verses. The next thing I want to say, which I already alluded to earlier, is that healing was actually a part of his message of the kingdom of God. Okay, it was actually an integral part of the message and if I had time, which I don't, I would love to go into why the significance of healing with the message of the kingdom of God. But notice that was always what he did. He's proclaimed, he taught about the kingdom and he healed everybody. Hand in hand, okay? 
And by the way, um, I mentioned I have a whole uh, series on the kingdom of God, 11 one-hour messages. So if you're interested, you can go. I just, I can't for time's sake go into that, but it's a huge part of his message, okay? And what I want to point out is healing is an experiential, it's experiential evidence of the kingdom, okay? He was the Messiah. It's like the kingdom of God is at hand. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, all this stuff. So what's the point? Heaven come to earth. Okay, the kingdom's here, now demonstrate it. Okay, it wasn't just word. It was word demonstrated by the power of God. Okay, so the biblical message of the gospel is always truth accompanied by experiential reality. Always, always. There's no exceptions. I remember, um, how many of you know who John Wimber is? I... Okay, most of you, yeah. I remember, you can even watch this on his, what made the vineyard, well, there's a lot of factors involved, but one of the things that made the vineyard what it is and, and, and what launched it was his MC510 course that he taught at Fuller. You guys ever hear that? Okay, you can watch it on YouTube. He has a whole 12 sermon message that he did in the 80s, 84, I think, where he taught this conference. Just look up Miracle Signs and Wonders on YouTube, John Wimber. Anyway, I remember him saying, when he first looked into this, the thing I love about John Wimber is that he was a Quaker. I don't know if you guys know that. So he, which, which really means he was very conservative, evangelical, very skeptical of the, the Holy Spirit moving and, and signs and wonders. That, that all died with the apostles is kind of how they thought of it. Anyway, so he, he has a funny, humorous story. You can hear that if you go to YouTube. The first session, he talks about his testimony getting introduced to this stuff. Long story short, he said, you know, when he first started looking into healing. Now, if you don't know his story, he started teaching about healing every single Sunday from the Gospels for an entire year and no one got healed. He said he prayed for at least a thousand people before the first healing ever happened because he just saw it in the Bible. And he said, look, I'm going to teach it. I'm going to pray for people by faith. So he was somebody who really looked into it and he really came from a theological perspective that people could relate to, which is why he was, obviously he was a charismatic guy, but that's why he had so much impact in the 80s because that's why it's called the third wave, right? It was the conservative evangelicals who really embraced the message of the kingdom because he rooted it in the scriptures and the teachings of Jesus and he made it accessible for people who had the theological bent. He could speak their language and he can make a very good case for why healing's for today. Why do I say that? He made a remarkable statement that I have to paraphrase because it's been a while. He said, this is in 1984. He said, you know, when I first started looking into this, evangelism, he was really into evangelism. In fact, when he taught at Fuller, it was, it was basically church growth and evangelism. He, and if you know his story, he was, a, he was really into evangelism, saved thousands, countless of people before he even started the vineyard. But anyway, long story. He didn't technically start the vineyard, but I'm going way off here. Okay, my point is he said, in all the years I started looking into is when I first studied the, the uh, evangelism in the context of signs and wonders, I was expecting a couple of incidences when people were saved as a function of signs and wonders. He said, I was expecting maybe a couple of stories here and there. He said, now, years later, since I've been looking into this, I can't find one incident in the entire Bible where people getting saved weren't accompanied by signs and wonders and miracles. You can't find one. What's my point? Contemporary church, what do we do? It's word, 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 word. Here's the four spiritual principles. Here's a tract using intellect. Okay. Not so much signs and wonder. Now that's changing, of course, the last hundred years or so. What John Wimber was making the point is, you can't, there are no incidents in the Bible that it wasn't accompanied by miracle signs and wonders and power. So it's an, obviously an important part of evangelism, right? It's an and Jesus, this is how he demonstrated it. It's like, not only do you come in word, but you come with a demonstration of the kingdom of God and power. And this is how the apostles did it. You see this throughout the entire Bible. Just give you one example. I could go on about that. But 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. Verses 4 and 5, Paul says, I came to you not in wise and persuasive words of human wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. 
Why? So that your faith wouldn't rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Think about that. Paul, who we all know, I mean, he, could, he, he was very persuasive. Just read Romans. He could do it. But he said, look, guys, I didn't come to you with wise, persuasive words. I came to you with a demonstration so that your faith wouldn't rest on my ability to convince you. Because think about it. If I say through arguing and intellect, convince you that God is real, Jesus came, died for your sins, and that made sense to you. So you mentally assented, okay, that makes sense, sure, I'll become a Christian. What if atheist so-and-so comes along who's way better at arguing than I am and demolishes my argument, right? What happens? Faith is shipwrecked probably. Okay, so all it takes is someone who's better at arguing and more persuasive to come along and get you out of faith. That's why Paul said, the reason I do this, the reason I came in a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that precisely so that your faith wouldn't rest on my ability to convince you because you cannot argue with an encounter. You can't. Like, think about it. Say hypothetically, God forbid, but just hypothetically you had stage four cancer. Someone prays for you, you get completely healed of it. 100%. Then atheist so-and-so comes along and says, Hey, God's not real. He doesn't heal. That's all whatever. Too late, buddy. <laughs> you, there's no way you can convince me that this isn't real. I was healed of stage four cancer. Right? It's kind of like the thing, if any of you speak in tongues, it's like, when you hear the argument like tongues isn't for today, it's kind of like, like too late, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you can't argue with an encounter. And that's precisely why Paul didn't rely on human wisdom. He did what Jesus did, which is one sentence. The kingdom of God is here. Bam. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Why? For this very reason. It's a demonstration of the kingdom of God. Very crucial. Okay, and I, I love that you guys are doing this training and that you're going to go out and do the stuff because that's the biblical model and we have to get back to biblical Christianity. Okay, so Jesus' spirit-empowered words are always accompanied by the demonstration, especially healing. Okay, okay, that was for free. Now I got to, <laughs> got to get back to my notes. Okay, so... I'm just going to show you this from the Gospels now. This is right after Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil, right? He was, if you guys don't know, he's baptized in the River Jordan, went to be tempted, full of the Holy Spirit came out. This is the model. Okay, this is right after, this is Jesus' ministry, the first time he started ministering. From that point on, Jesus began to preach, look at this, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching, and this is the model, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and look at this, healing every disease and sickness among the people. And look at the fruit of this. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. He healed all of them. And then look at the fruit. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed large crowds. That's the fruit. Okay? We don't want to rely on our, our current ideas of what success is to draw crowds. We don't want to go the seeker-sensitive route is in, in, with the motivation this will appeal to people. No. You want to be spirit-sensitive. I guarantee you, if you did the biblical model, which is healing the sick like Jesus did, large crowds will come. Right? You don't, <laughs> there's no question about it. You don't have to try and do the business enterprise thing. And, you see what I'm saying. Method, those methods are fine, but you don't want to rely on those. You want to rely on the Holy Ghost. Now look at this. this the next verse, so this is Jesus' model. Remember, he just healed. Large crowds came. He's like, oh, good. I have an audience now. I'm going to teach you about the kingdom. So we this is the very next verse, Matthew 5, 1 to 2. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside, sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them about the kingdom. 
Remember, that's the model. Okay. If you don't know, uh, Sermon on the Mount, all of it is about the kingdom of God. It's essentially our constitution of the kingdom. The whole point of it is this is what life is in the kingdom. Okay? It's about the heart. It's like, this is what heaven's like. Now do what heaven's like. <laughs> don't be angry with your brother. Don't lust after women. All that kind of stuff. But the whole purpose of the sermon, you can see it, is in, Ma in Matthew 6.33, what he said, look, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. That's the whole point of the message. It's like, do these things, seek God's kingdom, everything will be established in your life. Okay? So, chapters 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus demonstrated the kingdom. Large crowds came, taught about the kingdom. Then, when he finishes his sermon, first thing he does, demonstrates it. Look at this. Chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, after the Sermon on the Mount, what did he do? Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, talking about God's will, can you make me clean? Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man, said, I am willing. He said, be clean immediately. He was cleansed of leprosy. The reason I have willing underlined it is, is it God's will to heal? Obviously. Yeah, I'm willing here. Be clean. Okay, but the bigger point I'm making is that that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to not just talk about the kingdom. We're supposed to talk about the kingdom, demonstrate the kingdom with healing. Notice that's what Jesus did. It's like healing, 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 large crowds. Okay, message about the kingdom and then healing, 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 sandwiched. is a demonstration of the reality of the kingdom of God. Now, if you, know, if you read the whole entire chapter 8 of Matthew, that's what it, it's healing after another. Okay, one after another. But I want to fast forward to verse 14 because I want to make a point here. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed brought, were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. <laughs> Look at this. This is where I'm going with this. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Okay, why am I making such a big deal out of that? I'll tell you why. Healing is in the atonement. Some people, Isaiah 53, do you guys know this verse? This is a messianic prophecy, okay? Very famous verse. Some people try and make the case that he's not talking about healing. You cannot make the case because the scripture I just read you is the Bible interpreting itself saying this is fulfilling, all this healing is fulfilling this, okay? I'm going to just read this to you now. Talking about the promises of God. Okay, surely he took up our pain, he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that, was brought, that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Okay, so forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of iniquities, his pieces, and what? By his stripes we are healed. The interesting thing about this promise is Isaiah lived about around 800 years before Christ came. According to this, he's saying, if you put your faith in the coming Messiah, by his wounds, you are present tense healed. So everybody from that time on who put their faith in the Messiah with healing could be healed. Okay, future by your stripes, you are present tense healed. Now look at this. 1 Peter 2.24 is the new covenant. Now, this is post-resurrection. He himself bore sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you what? Were healed. You have been healed. Past tense. All of our healing was purchased on the cross. Past tense. By his wounds, you have been. Were healed. Heal. He took all of your sicknesses, your sins, your diseases, you name it upon himself on the cross. Part of the atonement, right? So in Isaiah, present tense, you are healed. 
Peter, you were healed. Matthew 8, you are, this is fulfilling Isaiah, part of the atonement. This is a, and I'm making this point because this is controversial with some people, but it's pretty clear in scripture. So it's like, okay, just like Jesus died for your sins and you have faith about that, in the same way he died, took your diseases and sicknesses upon himself as well. Forgiveness, healing often goes together in scripture, just like it does here. But I'll show you this, even in the Old Testament, we could, now, one of the reasons I, I came up with the scriptures I, I gave you, you'll notice it's in chronological order from Old to New Testament, from Exodus to Revelation. The first scripture on there, can I get one of those? Is, I think it's Exodus 15.26, is it? Okay. Exodus 15.26. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what's right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh, the Lord, who heals you. Okay, the Hebrew says Jehovah Rapha. What's the point? That's one of God's names. God is calling himself healing. That is pre-law. That is pre that's before they got the law. So you can't even say old covenant. That's prior to the covenant, old covenant and God is saying I am God, I am Jehovah Rapha. He is healing. That's part of his nature. And he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So God is healing. He's the God who heals you. But look at this. I love this. I'm talking about Old Testament now. I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't have all night, so I can't talk all about Old Testament. But I love this verse. Talking about the promises of God. Psalm 103, 1 to 5. Look at this. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives all of your sins, and look at this, and heals all of your disease. This is, this is old covenant. This is when David was around. This, isn't even, this is before Christ, by far, right? And even back in the old covenant, how many know that we have even better promise the new covenant far exceeds the glory of the old covenant? And 2 Corinthians 3 talks all about that. The ministry of the spirit came. If the ministry of the flesh or the law that came in stone came with glory, how much more will the, the law of the spirit of life who brings righteousness even be greater glory? The point is the new covenant is even better. And if they had these promises in the old covenant, how many of you know it's even more so the case in the new one after Christ came. But look at this. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. And so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We should, we should all be praying that verse, right? Come on. Youth renewed like the eagles. That's right. Okay, so question. You guys already preempted this question by answering yes. But is it God's will to heal? Yes. yes. Okay, good. I'm glad we established that. Second question, is the ministry of healing for all believers? Now, I have to apologize for those of you who saw, uh, saw my preach a couple weeks ago at Maple Crest. It's a, it, I'll go over quickly for your sake, but I talked about some of these scriptures then. But it's important in this context, okay, talking about is the ministry of healing for all believers to establish this? And about half of you weren't there, so I want to go through this tonight. The question is, are we all called to heal? Or is it just for certain gifted people, right? Like I mentioned, Benny Hinn, no. We all have been commissioned to heal the sick. It's all of our duty as believers in Christ. Okay, so I'm just going to establish that scripturally. Okay, so Jesus gave his ministry to us. And just like he preached about the kingdom and demonstrated it, we're supposed to do the same thing. All right, so this is Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Jesus went through the towns and villages, look at this, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, look at this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. Do you guys know what the very next verse is? By the way, there weren't chapter breaks in the original. <laughs> 
This is an unfortunate chapter break in my estimation. But look at the next verse. So he's like, pray for harvesters. Then he says, go. <laughs> he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease so and sickness. Okay, so he's like, here, pray for harvesters. Oh, by the way, you're the answer to that prayer. <laughs> now go and do the stuff. Okay, but look at this. He gave them authority to heal every sickness and disease. All right, so this is the first to the twelve. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So simple. Two sentences. We often make this so complicated. Two sentences. As you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Just like I did. We're disciples of Christ is what Jesus is saying. First thing. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleansers of leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received. Freely give. Okay. So it's like. Do the stuff, guys. As disciples of Christ, go do it. Okay? That's the key to the harvest. This is Luke's version of sending out the 12. It's pretty similar. I want to make the point, though. When Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them, look at this, power and authority. Both. So not only did he commission them with the authority of Christ going in his name and giving them the authority to do so positionally, he gave them the power to do it. Okay? He gave them the power and authority to drive out all, not some, all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Goes, you see that. It goes hand in hand. Proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick. So they went out uh, and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. All right. Look at this now. This is the next chapter. This is to the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72. So this isn't confined to the 12, is the point I want to make here. This is 20, 72 other regular disciples, okay? <laughs> Not the 12. He appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where, there was about to, where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. It sounds familiar, right? But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out works in the harvest field. Next verse, go, I'm sending you, right? So in other words, it's like, pray for this. By the way, you're the answer to that prayer. Now you go do it, right? That's the key to the harvest. Talking about evangelism, preach the kingdoms here, demonstrate it, heal the sick, okay? So that's verse nine. He says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. It's the same thing. Fast forward to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're so excited. Talking about the authority of Christ. It's like in your name, by your authority, demons even submit to us. Then Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome what? All the power of the devil. Nothing will harm you. Like, aren't these phenomenal promises? Jesus is like, hey, I've given you authority to go overcome all the power of the devil. I've given you authority and power to heal every single sickness and disease. Okay, now go do it. <laughs> right? It's pretty simple. And by the way, after this, Jesus, Jesus is so excited. And he's full, it says he's full of joy of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I praise you, Father, for you revealed this, not to the wise and learned, but the children. Jesus is excited when we go do this stuff. He's excited. <laughs> it brings him pleasure. Okay, so some of you might be like, well, that's the 72, that's the 12, and that was when Jesus was on earth. I want to show you, no, it wasn't confined to the 12, because some people make that argument that healing and signs and wonders died with the apostles. How many of you have heard of that? No, <laughs> not true, not biblically true. Jesus commissioned this to everybody for all time to the end of the age. Okay, so I'm going to just give you a couple of scriptures on this. This is essentially John's uh, great commission it's a, this is john 20 21 to 22 again jesus said peace be with you as the father sent me i'm sending you now go do it <laughs> right and with that he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit okay john 14 12 this scripture gets me every time it's phenomenal very truly i tell you look at this whoever believes in me how many of you are whoever how many believe in jesus okay this is you <laughs> Whoever believes in me will be doing the works I've been doing. What? Like if he just stopped there, that'd be crazy, right? If he just, it's like, what? I'll be doing the works you've been doing just because I believe in you. But he doesn't stop there. Look at what he says. 
and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Greater works than Jesus Christ. This is Jesus promising this. How many of you know Jesus isn't lying? He's the personification of truth. Is he, if he said this, it's got to be true. So not only are we called to healing if we believe in him, we're, we're called to do even greater things than Jesus, and he'll back it up. Okay, I'm preaching myself here. It's phenomenal. It's like I don't often see, I don't see greater works than Jesus, but this is Jesus saying this. So it's like, again, I'm sharing these things to build faith. It's like, yeah. Look, anytime you see Jesus doing something, he says we can even do greater things. And not only are we can do the same stuff, we can do greater things than these. We've got to have that faith. And people that you see who have phenomenal healing ministries, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, David Hogan, all these people, they have this revelation. It's like who you are in Christ. As a function of being a Christian and having the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, seated in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, dominion and power, and every name that can be named, not only this age and the age to come, that same power is living in you and me. That's Ephesians 1, by the way, the prayer. Okay, so we just need, and by the way, that's the prayer where Paul says that, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you would know the hope to which you've called, he's called you the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. It takes a revelation. That's why Paul's praying it. That's why it's good to pray the apostolic prayers over ourselves. Okay, why not? We need that revelation. The same power that raised Christ from the dead living in you? I need to pray for revelation on that. That's why Paul prays for that. We need that revelation. Okay, this is to everyone. Now, this, this is the Great Commission, Mark's version. Look at this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. This doesn't even confine it to humans. And what's funny, if you look at the saints throughout history, like St. Francis of Assisi, he used to preach to creation. You guys ever read those stories? Because he took this literally. He used to like preach the birds and they'd gather and like listen to him and be like, oh, awesome. Like, he used to do this. It's, it's funny. But anyway, animals like the gospel. Okay. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. Look at this. And these signs will accompany those who believe. How many believe? Okay. And this is for you. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. And they'll drink, if they drink anything uh, deadly poison, uh, it will not hurt them. Look at this. They will place their hands on the sick. They will get well. All who believe. All you got to do is lay your hands on the sick and they'll be well. Okay? After this, the Lord Jesus had spoken to them. He's taken up into heaven. He sits, sat at the right hand of God. Then his disciples went and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them. And look at this. And confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. That's my whole point. These signs are part of the message. And if we're preaching the message of the kingdom, they accompany it. Healing, signs, wonders, raising the dead, casting out demons. is all an integral part of the message. Okay? So, key point. Although the message of the kingdom came in word, that's crucial. Don't mishear me. I love the word. That's why you can see I use a lot of scriptures. It's powerful. But... In our Western culture, we've, we've relied too much on logic and reason and not enough on the experiential reality of, of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God and power. Okay, So although it's true, you've got to say the kingdom of God's here, it didn't come in word alone. God verified his truthfulness by display of his power through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, often through healing, hand in hand. Okay. Now, this is how Paul and the apostles also operated. If I had time, man, I could do this all night. But just one verse. I love this verse. Romans 15, 18 and 19. He said, this is Paul talking. He says, I'll not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what? Look at this. By what I've said and done. Not just words. Look at this. By the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, look at this, I fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Fully. 
What's the point? The full message of the gospel is words and a demonstration of the Spirit's power through signs and wonders. In other words, if it's just words, it's a partial message. Right? Is that not what he's saying? I did these things, signs, wonders, said and done. Why? Or so that I fully proclaim the message of Christ. Fully. And we got to get back to the full message of the gospel. We need to get back to biblical Christianity, right? Live like Jesus called us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how the world is going to get saved. And I believe this is why a lot of the church in the Western cultures is a little bit anemic because we've gotten away from true biblical Christianity. People love this stuff. The world is attracted to the supernatural, right? It's like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, demonstration of the Spirit. I guarantee you, especially in our culture, if there's any time in history where we've been like ancient Greece during the time of Corinth, when Paul wrote that letter to pagans, it's our time now, right? And this, this message, this full message thrived in that pagan culture. How much more will it thrive in ours if we get back to that, right? Super crucial. Okay, so if you're like, well, this is a good question. Well, okay, first of all, is the ministry of healing for all believers? <laughs> okay, not just Benny Hinn and whoever. Okay, good. All right. Now, if you're like, the, the, the question I want to ask you is, okay, should I pray for everybody all the time? This is a good question to ask. The golden rule. It says, Jesus, basically the whole summary of the Sermon on the Mount. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you, right? Good question. You see someone on the ground suffering. Maybe you pass by them downtown. Question. Should I pray for this person? Golden rule. Would you want prayer if you're that person? Right? Maybe. And so that's a good principle. If you're not sure, it's like, well, if I was in that person's position, would I want somebody to pray for me that I'd be healed? The answer is probably yes, right? And so that's a good principle to go. Of course, be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not always the case, but it's like, yeah, I don't see Jesus healed everybody everywhere he went, right? Okay, last but not least, how do we heal the sick? <laughs> okay, that's a good question because it's like, okay, God's will to heal. We're all called to healing. Okay, well, now what do I do? That's a good question. All right. This is, if you hear nothing else tonight, hear this one thing. There is no formula. There is no formula. <laughs> okay? None. Zero. All right. Now, let me just show you some script. I could show you tons of scriptures on this. Jesus never went by a formula, ever. Okay, now I'm going to, I, I get a kick out of these verses, so that's why I'm using them to make this point. Think, this is three different times, okay, where Jesus prayed. Look at what he does. First, I'm going to start off in John 9, 6, and 7. After saying this, look at this. Jesus spit on the ground. He made some mud with his saliva and put it on a blind man's eyes. This guy was blind... Think about, he made mud with spit and put it on some blind guy's eyes. Imagine we did that, like the scandal of a current minister doing that. <laughs> like, you put mud on a blind man's eyes? It's like we read this and we don't think. It's like, man, Jesus, it's like Jesus did it so it's holy, but mud spit on a guy's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and he came seeing. So he was healed, and that's awesome. But it's like, wow, that's an interesting method. And what's, in, like, if what's interesting about it, if I taught a course on healing based off of Jesus, I would have to have a course, a class on spitting, <laughs> apparently. Because look at this. That wasn't an isolated incident. Mark 8.23, look at this. Another blind man. But in the, and I want you to think about this. Two different blind men, he did two different things. He didn't make mud this time. He took the blind man, 
led him outside the village. When he spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus said, do you see anything? The guy was healed. Okay? Spit on his eyes directly this time. He didn't bother to make mud. Can you imagine if I spit on a blind man's eyes? Or, or, or like, not me, but like, say, a, say Bill, imagine the scandal. Billy Graham spits on a blind man's eyes. The secular media would have a heyday with that. Unless the blind man was healed. <laughs> right? Then that would probably justify it. But I'm guessing... Would, that would be that's pretty offensive isn't it spitting on a blind man's eyes like i'm guessing if that happened today people would be pretty offended wouldn't they i'd probably be wouldn't you be offended if you're a blind guy and someone spits on you don't know he's the messiah spits on your eyes it's like man mark seven thirty three. look at this after he took him aside away from the crowd jesus put his now this is a deaf man now he put his fingers in the man's ears he spit and touched the man's tongue And then the guy was healed of deaf mutant. Okay, so it's like, what? What? Jesus, the Messiah. This Now, what's my point? No formula. <laughs> okay? Three different people. Jesus did three different things. Spit was involved in all three, but different in different ways. Okay? No formula. And I, and, and I want to make this point because the point is... If there's any pattern, it simply depend on Him. No formula. The Holy Spirit will lead you. How many of you have had the experience where you've prayed for someone, maybe they've been healed, so then it's like, oh, oh, next time, I'm going to use the same prayer and do the same thing and say the same thing and they'll get healed. And then they don't. <laughs> Why not? No formula. God doesn't want us to get into religion. He wants us to depend on him through relationship. So it's like as soon as, if it was like, like notice Jesus doesn't tell us how to heal the sick. He doesn't. He just says, go heal the sick. He doesn't say, do this and don't do that and do this and do these 10 things and pray this way. No. The only thing he says is, lay your hands on the sick and they'll cover. That's the only time that we have any sort of indication of an instruction other than when we see his model, which is spitting and commanding and those sorts of things, like different things. It's no formula. Okay. So there's no law. There's no don't do that. And it's, it's <laughs> what I love about these people who have well-known healing ministries. Often they did crazy things like, like <laughs> how many of you've heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay. How many of you have not? Okay. So we all know. Okay, have you guys ever heard... So you, if you know him or anything about... He used to punch people. You guys know this? He used to punch people hard and they would get healed. And kick people. He used to... And they would get... There was a story. There was a dead baby someone brought to his meeting, put the baby on the stage. Get this. Wigglesworth kicked the baby off the stage... Someone caught the baby and the baby raised from the dead. Kicked a baby. Like, imagine someone kicked a baby. <laughs> it's crazy. But the baby raised from the dead. How many of you know, like, as soon as the baby's raised from the dead, people got over the offense of getting, kicking a baby, probably. Right? But it's like, what the heck? Think about it. It's like, first of all, what the heck? <laughs> like, why is... Why is God backing up, kicking and punching people and healing them? It's, why? No formula. I, I'm, I guarantee, well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, to, just to give you some background, the reason Wigglesworth punched people, back in the day he had appendicitis and a young couple went to his house and the young guy punched him and he was healed of appendicitis. So he had faith for it. So whenever he, he encountered someone with stomach issues, he would punch them and they would get healed. Why? Because he had faith in that method. He had faith for it. And God backs up faith. It's crazy, but he does. And I think one of the reasons God does these things is, he, first of all, he has fun. God, God's pretty funny. He, I think he gets a kick out of crazy people who do crazy things out of faith and he backs them up for that reason. 
shameless audacity. But the other reason is because they had faith in the method. Jesus says in Mark 9.23, everything, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything. Doesn't qualify. Wigglesworth believes if he punches, God will back him up. He had faith for it. And I believe that's another reason God did it. Now, I, I, I want to say this so clear. I am not saying to punch people. And I'm not saying to kick people. And I'm not, definitely not saying to kick babies. Okay? <laughs> I don't want you leaving here saying, that David guy told us to punch and kick people. No. Now, if the Holy Ghost tells you to, that's another story. That's between you and him. My point is saying no formula. God works outside the box. He backs up faith. And if any, let me give you another story. Um, most of you don't know us, but we, we actually got married at Bethel. You guys know Bethel Church in Rain, California. So we are students there. And we both, uh, Trisha and I, uh, volunteered in the healing room. And uh, Trisha went more of the doing the worship after a while, but I was actually a leader for the healing. If you guys don't know, every Saturday they have a healing room, four hours. It's crazy, man. Like they see stage four healing like all the time, like crazy stuff. It's not, it's just normal there, right? And so it was an honor to be a part of that for a season. Um, but they have crazy stories. Like there's this one time. And so if you guys don't know, they have a waiting, uh, uh, what do they call the waiting room? Prophetic. Anyway. Whatever, there's prophetic worship going on. That's what Trisha did with the djembe. She's on the worship team. But prophetic worship, prophetic art, all the stuff. They, uh, artists, whatever, people prophesy over you. So they had an artist there doing prophetic art. And they had a painting where she painted the word joy on it. And this one person who's in the healing, there was someone there with stage four cancer. And this person who's part of the healing rooms goes up to her and was like, hey, I feel like you're just supposed to go in front of this painting and look at it. So she takes the person with stage four cancer in front of this painting. The person falls out in the spirit, completely healed of stage four cancer, looking at a painting. <laughs> no formula. That whole day, every single person who went in front of that picture was healed. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, what? There was an intern, I remember this, it's just such a funny story, because it just, it's like, it makes you like, you know, signs and wonders, it makes you wonder. This intern was, he was an intern at the healing rooms, he was telling us a story, he was on a ministry trip, and see, this is the thing, Bethel had a revelation, it's all by grace. As soon as we start thinking it's about us, and what we do, and the formula, and whatever, and gotta have all our things in order, and, and repent, and all this stuff, and forgive, and that's all important, by the way, but I'm just saying, you don't have to do all this stuff to heal someone, No. You don't, because it's all by God's grace, right? And so they had this revelation. No formula is God's grace. So this guy's telling us the story. He was on this ministry trip. This woman had an issue with her shoulder. It was like, it was like excruciating pain. It was like on a scale of zero to 10 on pain, it was like 10 out of 10. So he's just praying for her, like, you know, healing, be healed in Jesus' name or whatever. And the pain was going down. And he said it was about a four out of 10, if I remember right. And he just wanted to show her this, that it's by God's grace. So he, he said, he goes to the woman, he's like, okay, what's your favorite fruit? And she's like, a raspberries. And he's like, okay, raspberries in Jesus' name. And she was totally healed. <laughs> what? what? Raspberries in Jesus' name. No formula. It's all by God's grace. It's all about God's grace. Okay? And being led by the Holy Spirit. So depend on him. And... Uh, faith. See, the thing that undermines healing is a lack of faith. There's two things. A lack of faith, okay, Jesus always, right, you have little faith. The second thing is traditions of men. Those two things undermine the word of God. In fact, in Mark 7, 23, when Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees, he says, you have a fine way of letting go of the word of God, the commands of God by your traditions. And he said, you're nullifying the word of God by your human traditions. Think about that. Can anything nullify, make void the word of God? All of these promises I've gave you about healing? Yeah, traditions of men. Isn't that something? So, 
Why is it that Jesus doesn't give us a formula? Because precisely because we'd probably come up with these ridiculous traditions, which we do, and that would actually undermine the promises of God about healing. So there are none. And Jesus has fun with it, and we can too. Can experiment, but don't kick and punch people. Unless the Holy Ghost tells you to. Okay. Now, with that being said, I want to make some things concrete. Because, yeah, granted, there's no formula. Don't want to get into legalism, all the stuff. Okay, but there are principles. I love that about the Bible. There are principles that we can, if you don't know what else to do, you can fall back on these and they'll, they, they'll usually work or often. Okay, so one of the principles about healing, I've already mentioned it, is laying your hands. Look at this, Mark 16, 18. They'll place their hands on the sick and they will get well. Laying your hands on people. Notice Jesus say, doesn't say to pray for people. <laughs> this might violate some traditions. Jesus, and I've said this for those of you who saw me a few weeks ago, Jesus never once in the entire Bible tells us to pray for the sick. Never. And if you think about it, Jesus himself never prayed for the sick. Ever. Now, when I say pray, I'm talking about pray to the Father. Like we would think of prayer. Like, Father, please heal this person. Okay, that's fine. Not according, there's no biblical. And other than you can pray for anything and God will answer you. But my point is Jesus never told us to pray for the sick ever. And that's what we usually default on. Praying for the sick to the Father. And I gave this, this story last time and I'll say it again because I think there's so much truth to it. The parallel of in, in Exodus 14 when, when the children of Israel were escaping from Egypt and they had the army, Pharaoh and his army behind them and the Red Sea in the way. And they're all crying out to God, God, do something. You know what God says in response to them? God, please do something. We're going to die. He says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? You have the staff. You do something. <laughs> it's like you put your hand and you do it. It's like I've given you the authority. Why are you asking me to do something I've given you the authority to do? I believe the parallel of healing is the same. Often we're like begging, God, do something, do something. God's like, what? Why are you crying? You do something. I've given you the authority. I've given you the power by the Holy Spirit. No, you do it. Right? So, one thing Jesus does say, though, lay your hands on the sick. They'll recover. Not pray. Lay your hands on them. I have a funny story about this. John G. Lake. Um, this guy, <laughs> sorry. I love, it. by the way, I highly recommend, if you're interested in the ministry of healing, read some of these biographies, man. Like, champions of the faith, like John G. Lake Wigglesworth, read their biography. It's so encouraging, and they build your faith. But there's this one story of this Catholic guy goes into John G. Lake's office one day with a crutch. <laughs> he sits down, he goes to John G. Lake, he's like, I don't want anything that violates my religion. I don't have faith in doctors. I don't have faith in men. And I don't even have faith in God. What can you do for me? Like, can you imagine? Like, what would we say? Like, too bad, buddy. Like, you're not going to... You know what John G. Lake did? He just laughed and got out of his chair. He walked over to the guy and just started having a conversation with him. And he just... He did, the guy didn't even notice. He put his hand on his shoulder and he's just talking to the guy. Just whatever, having a regular conversation. Then at near the end of the conversation, the guy stands up, doesn't even realize he's healed. He stands up. John G. Lake shakes his hand, takes his crush. The guy doesn't notice. He doesn't even notice he's healed. And he just walks out casually. He doesn't even notice. So then at the <laughs> he's out the door and John G. Lake's like, hey, you want this crutch? And the guy looks back. He's like, to hell with that crutch. <laughs> John G. Lake's like, I agree. No prayer, nothing. He just put his hand on the guy. You know what John G. Lake said? He said, I let the spirit of life flow through me into that guy and drive out the sickness. Laying hands on the sick, that's it. And just some scriptures, Jesus did this, okay? I, I, I won't, I, I'm, I, what time? Am I out of time? <laughs> I'm probably out of time, aren't I? When did I start? Did I start? Okay, I am way over time. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, I'll wrap this up. Um, Jesus, Matthew, he touched her hand. She was healed, took the girl by the hand, healed. Jesus reached out his hand. And like I said, I can send, I'll email you these if you signed up and you can see these scriptures. But Jesus did is the point. Second principle, faith in the prayer of command. Okay, if those of you who were here a few weeks ago, I gave a whole message on this. 
So I won't bother other than to say Jesus' prayers were a command. He didn't pray to the Father. He commanded. He talked to sickness like it was a person, like it was a demon. He said, be healed, be open, be cleansed, get up, stand up and walk. Two, three words. Here's a whole bunch of scriptures that show that, right? It's like, be clean. That's it. No, like 10 hours speaking in tongues, five hours of soaking, four days of fasting. No. Be killed, be open, simple. Jesus, and if you're interested, you can listen to that message I gave at Maplecrest a few weeks ago. This is how Jesus operated. This is how his disciples operated. This is how no-name believers in the book of Acts operated. Prayer of command. You don't pray to the... Well, you can pray to the Father. Don't, get, don't mishear me. But if Jesus is our example, which he is, and we're his disciples and we're following him, we do what he did, but we do it in Jesus' name, in his authority. That's why you say in Jesus' name, because it's in his name. He gave us the authority. We're doing it not by our authority, but by his. In Jesus' name, be open. You command it like it's a person. And it has to listen to you in, because you have the authority of Christ. Okay, So prayer, faith, and command, just like Jesus. Okay? So, uh, Jesus dealt with sickness. Yeah, I said all that. Okay, this is what we should do. By the way, to give you a scripture of when Jesus tells us to pray like this, in Mark eleven twenty three, he says, If you say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, it'll be done. You speak to it, you command it, and you have faith that it'll be done, it'll be done. Okay. Um, last but not least, in terms of biblical principles... The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Ephesians 6.17, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What's the point? If Think about this. If Jesus, who was the Word, capital T and W, right? The Word himself personified, had to take his stand on it is written. <laughs> How much more do we need to stand on it is written? Think about when he was being tempted in the desert, in the wilderness. Right? Every time Satan tried to attack him, what did he do? The sword of the Spirit. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but what? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus always banked on Scripture. That's why I gave you all these Scriptures. These are swords <laughs> that you can use when you're dealing with sickness or when you're praying for someone commanding it in Jesus' name, sword of the Spirit, very effective. Why? Well, first of all, let me ask you. You need healing? First question, what promises are you standing on? You should have promises from Scripture saying, I'm standing on this promise, and I've given, now I've given you a whole bunch of them. Why? Here's one Scripture. The promise about promises, 2 Corinthians 1.20, look at this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes. In Christ. So through him the amen spoken to us by the glory of God. What's the point? Every single promise in scripture is yes. If you pray, God, your word says this. God's answer is yes, I'll do it. Why? He doesn't say no or I'll think about it or maybe why. Because this promise says they're all yes. Every single promise in scripture is yes in Christ. But notice we have a part to play. We actually have to come in agreement with it and say amen. Declare it. Right? The amen is spoken by us. So we actually have to do something with the, with the promises. All right. That's it. I'll end there. Trish, can you put up the summary slide, though? Here you go. Heal the sick, principles, laying on of hands, faith, prayer, the command in the name of Jesus, the word of God. Take authority in Jesus' name. Amen.